Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Good morning. Wow, thank you. Man, that's amazing. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. What an honor it is just to stand in this moment and be here at home. I don't always get to preach at home. It's nice to just be home. I didn't have to get on a plane to come here. I'd have to wake up in some weird hotel uh, and drive over here, eat that nasty breakfast food that they have at the hotel. No, I'm at Ocean's Church with the best people on the planet. You know, I I said this to the first service. I'm going to say it to the second. I think we are spoiled up in this church. I'm going to tell you that right now. Take it from someone who has the responsibility of being in a lot of different churches, a lot of different cities all over the world. Sometimes I feel like I go to church more than Jesus. I'm in so many different churches, okay? Um, But we have just a phenomenal kids ministry. Can we just start right there with Pastor Chloe? Love them. And then Ocean's Youth is just taking ground. Amazing. I just love it. I mean, there's just dynamics, connect group leaders. You guys are phenomenal. What about this worship team? Come on, let's be honest. They just hold it. Anybody else was sad that worship was over? It was, it was just getting good. You know what I'm talking about? I'm telling listen, if you complain about this church, you might as well punch yourself in the throat, okay? Because I'm telling you that we are spoiled up in this church, and I think what God is doing is really a direct reflection of incredible leaders, once-in-a-generation leaders like Pastor Mark and Pastor Rochelle. Are you guys grateful? I know I am. Our family is for phenomenal full of God leaders. I just love them so much. And, and uh, again, I'm just so honored to be here. I, I wrestled last night with what kind of pace I was going to run with this morning uh, because I can be uh, conference, youth conference Chris. Um, I can be, believe it or not, I am Professor Estrada. I can be Professor Chris. I, I just thought I was just going to come out weapons hot and just start blowing up everything because I'm too Hispanic to hold anything back. Come on, where are all the Hispanic caramel people? Come on, all the brown people. Where the caramel? Yes, we got some caramel in this room. We got some chocolate, too, and a whole lot of whipped cream up in this room. I'll tell you that. All right, so um, uh, let me tell you my story so you know where I'm coming from, okay? I grew up on the border of the United States and Mexico, and you probably have heard of my city, but for all the wrong reasons, okay? Because nobody vacations in my city. You You go to my city for one of two reasons, one, to visit family, or two, to do something illegal. Okay, if you've heard about where all the drug wars, all the drug trafficking, all the cartel wars, okay, those are all my cousins. (laughs) So Christmas is fun or the police are involved. There is never an in-between. It's just those two polarities. And so by the age of 12, imagine that kind of environment. By the age of 12, I found myself with a drug addiction, uh, a lust issue, and an anger problem, but I love to play basketball. Come on, anybody love to hoop in here? Yeah, all four of us. So... um, I remember I went to this church that had a gym. They would open their gym. I was a teenager. They would open up their gym, and I would go play, but then they would try to get all the students in the church service. Well, I would never stay. I would dip and leave and find somewhere else to play. But the youth pastor got involved in my life, and one day he came to me, and he said, hey, you want to go to church camp? Now, I have no idea what this is. He says, hey, you want to go to church camp? And I said, is there going to be hot girls, fine women at this camp? I'm a six-year-old little pervert. I have no idea what I'm saying. So he says, says, well, we're going to go for Jesus. I said, fine, you can go for Jesus. I'm going to get some phone numbers. I'm going to camp. What I didn't realize is on the first night of that camp, I got saved, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I got called into ministry all in one night. 
game-changing night for me. From that point forward, I went to Bible college, uh, and that I left, and I became the internet sales director for every luxury car company except Lamborghini. So my wife and I had made financial goals by the age of 20 and 21 uh, that we could retire at. But it doesn't matter how wealthy you are. Come on, if you're not in the will of God, you'll be miserable. So God comes to us and says, sell everything you have, give it all away, and I want you to move to Sri Lanka. How many know where Sri Lanka's at? Okay, a few more, six of you, um, five, eight. Um, and I, I, so listen, this was in the middle of a civil war in Sri Lanka. So I remember mortar shells blown up down the road from my home. I remember suicide bombers bombing the hotels we'd be in. It felt like Call of Duty in real life. I, they was heavy persecution. I'm talking about to the death. But in the middle of all that chaos, God was still raising up his church. And we were saying daily salvations, signs, wonders, healings, miracles, breakthrough. It was powerful. Came back, took over student ministry, and we had this sweeping revival come through. This is what I love about what God's doing right now in young people all over the planet is that there is a risk-taking mindset that is coming on them, and they don't mind facing Goliaths and telling mountains to move and speaking to things. They have no concept of fear. There's fear. There's a fearlessness coming on this generation. I love it. I love it. And I, I remember we left there, and the last 11 years of my life, I have dedicated to raising and releasing the next wave of influencers, and I get to lead and serve uh, what I believe is the best Bible college on the planet, Missions Me College, right here in Dana Point. Now, I'm hyped. Don't get me wrong. This ain't, this ain't hate talk, okay? I'm hyped about OC College, and I plan on serving there. Well, I love the vision we get to serve the vision of uniting the global church for the salvation and transformation of nations because this is the level God's thinking right now. We're not just going to have good services. We're going to have holy cities again. We're not just going to have great moments. Nations are going to feel a third great awakening come across it. Come on, do you believe there's still a thundering and a rumble left? Come on. In fact, just over a week, 53 weeks. We are, by the way, we are 90 feet, 95 weeks old today. Come on, Ocean Church, 95 weeks. I didn't want to miss that moment. Uh, keep the tradition alive. Um, but just 53 weeks ago, there was a team from Ocean's Church that were standing with us in Peru as we brought 10,000 missionaries from 43 nations, 150 organizations to pound ground in the nation of Peru. I wish I had more time to tell you about the 14 medical clinics in 12 different cities. I wish I had time to tell you about the 47 fresh water wells, the 1.7 million books we gave away. A million of those were Bibles. I wish I could tell you about the Amazon boat outreach to the jungle outreaches to the raising of the dead, deaf ears popping Olin to medical clinics, sports clinics. 3,000 high schools were invaded by the kingdom of light of missionaries all over in five days. And I'm telling you, over seven days, we saw 1.2 or 1.7, I get a mix, a million people give their lives to Jesus Christ. And we were standing in the largest stadium in Central and South America, and we watched that stand be packed with almost 90,000 people and watched 19,348 people change their citizenship from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And that was one out of 10 stadiums we did on the same night at the same. Don't tell me God can't change a nation in one day. We are watching it happen in our hour. And now we have set our sights. We're going into L.A. We're going to storm Los Angeles with 20,000 team members. And we're going to do it all. And 
Oceans is on the front end of that. Just two weeks ago, we were in Watts giving out 36,000 pounds of food to the city of Watts. Come on, God is moving. There is so much to be excited about. There is no way I could do this alone. I have a wonderful wife who's here on the front row, my wife, Erica. And we have four beautiful kids who I love so much. And I just can't think of a better place to be than right here at Ocean's Church. Anybody excited about being back in church? Come on. Now, as you can tell, I don't do no quiet church. Okay, I I believe a quiet church is a dead church, all right? I I just don't do quiet church. I'm telling you, I believe the Word of God deserves a response. I'm all for revival. I want signs. I want wonders. I want angelic visitation. I want all that, okay? But I think one of the biggest things we need is a Bible revival, okay? We need to know our Bible. And I love my Bible. I don't flirt with my Bible. I don't have one-night stands with my Bible. I don't date my Bible. I am married to my Bible. I believe the table of contents to maps. I love the publisher of my Bible, okay? I love my Bible. And I believe the Word of God should have home court advantage at the church. Are you with me? I like home court advantage. Because I, I love playing on my home turf because I had the most crowd support. Well, let's give the word the most crowd support this morning. Can you do that? Say, come on, somebody. Say, come on, somebody. I don't even know how to spell that, but we're going there. All right. Are you ready for the word? Church, are you ready for the word? I believe it. I believe it. All right. Hey, turn on your Bible and go to Acts chapter 3. Yes, I know what day we live in, for crying out loud. Turn it on. Okay. If you open it, that's fine. If you turn it on, that's fine. The Bible says it's the Word of God that's living and active, not what it's written on or what it shows up on. Uh, Go to Acts chapter 3. Now, I'm going to give you some background because we're going to parachute in the middle of a situation, okay? Uh, I I love Acts chapter 3 because this is one of Peter's defining moments. And I've come to realize that if God can love Peter, he can love anybody. I'm telling you, this is true, all right? Because a lot of us can identify with Peter because Peter has some good days, and some bad days. Come on, anyone else? Peter is on, and then he's off. Anyone else? Right? Peter is smart, supernaturally insightful, and then the spirit of stupid comes on him in moments. So you're like, what were you thinking? Right? If God can love Peter, he can love anybody. And I love this because this is one of Peter's defining moments. Uh, I believe that Peter has just journeyed in such an amazing way. Remember, he went through three years of intense discipleship, training, witnessing the power of Almighty God, only to get to a moment of three rejections, denials of Jesus. But knowing our God, He's a compassionate God. He doesn't change His mind about you. He doesn't forget the promises that are embedded in your DNA. And He comes back and restores Peter. And so Peter shows up in Acts chapter 1, and he stays put, and the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is poured out, and then what we're about to read is what happens next. This is the first recorded healing miracle in the New Testament church. Look at this, Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Follow along with me. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom the people laid daily at the gate. Everybody say daily. Daily. Say it again, church. Say daily. Daily. Who the people lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, began to beg. And fixing his eyes on him, Peter said, look at us. And so the man, this beggar, gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Now, let me stop right here. And let me make an honest confession. Before we read verse 6, i got to tell you something about verse 6. Well, I, uh, honest confession about verse 6. I love verse 6. 
I love verse 6 uh, for a lot of reasons. I love verse 6 because the devil hates verse 6. That's enough for me right there. I love verse 6 because verse 6 forces you into make a choice. No, you can't live lukewarm. You can't falter between opinions. You don't get it from the news and you don't get it from the training. You get it from the heart of Almighty God. I love verse 6 because verse 6 is full of some authority. Come on, some power, some strength where God flexes his muscle a little bit. I love verse 6 because it's a full-on in, in provoking of what our lives should look like. I love verse 6. I can't... I, I, I would never not read verse 6. I love what verse 6 says. It says, Then Peter said to him, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Anybody else hyped about verse 6? Look at verse 7. It says, And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood, walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Come on, church family, let's pray for a moment. Let's pray for a moment. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ to flood every heart right now. In fact, I speak to the atmosphere in this place and those watching online. I say that this is, place is full of faith. It is full of hope. It is full of peace. It is full of joy. And I come against every limit, every limit, every restriction, every barrier, every lie, every demonic harassment is broken right now in Jesus' name. And I call every man and every woman into their season. I call them into their rhythm. I declare that the dry spells are over, that the drought is over, that the blindness is over, that the deafness is over. Lord, let it be a day that we start to march into where signs and wonders are just as common as getting a cup of Starbucks in the morning where we see demonstrations of your power just as normal as we go out to eat, God. Let it be that Ocean's Church is taking ground not Sunday to Sunday, but every day, in every hour, in every setting. I thank you for what you're doing in this moment right here in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. I love this series that Pastor Mark started last week called Unconventional. He talked about unconventional prayer. And I'm going to take a spin on it and talk about an unconventional lifestyle that I like to call ruined. In fact, the title of my message is ruined. I believe we need to have ruined people. Now, when I say ruined, I'm not talking about in the worldly sense where when something's ruined, it loses value. I'm talking about in the kingdom sense where when you've been marked and touched by God, that you don't lose value, you increase in value because you live different, you worship different, you pray different, you treat your spouse different, you raise your kids differently, you lead your home differently, you don't work like everybody else works, you don't gossip like everybody else gossips, you don't believe like everybody else believes, you don't live from new cycle to new cycle, you live from fresh encounter to fresh encounter because you have been ruined. Let me tell you about one of my defining moments, all right? Um, I was uh, living in West Texas, and if you've ever been out to West Texas, it's just desert outside, all right? It's bright, sunny outside. And I remember I was going to a, a prayer meeting with See at the Pole. Anybody remember See at the Pole? And so I remember I was going to go help lead the See at the Pole at this one high school, and you had to know where to park at this high school or they tow your car away. And, and uh, the only reason I knew about where to park at this high school is I actually got kicked out of this high school. That's a totally different story. Um, but I remember I went and met a friend. We led this prayer meeting. I was walking her back to her car, and I'll never forget, I walked back to her car, and she's like, she looked confused. I said, what's wrong? And she said, 
I parked right here. I said, you park right here? She said, I parked right here. I said, fam, you sure you parked right here? She said, I parked right here. I said, you can't park here. There's no parking sign there. And she, you know what she said? They don't mean that. I said, well, apparently they do because your car's like no longer here. Anybody know like sarcasm is fruit of the spirit that Paul forgot to write in? So, so I remember she said, I said, call the number on the sign. She calls the number on the sign. She's like, sure enough, they have my car. She said, can you take me? I'm like, dope, no problem, done, let's do it, right? So we get in the car and we drive over. Now it's bright, sunny, this is West Texas, it's desert, all right? There's never any clouds in the sky, hardly any rain. It dries up before it hits the ground. I mean, it's just brown. Everything is desert brown. Brown, the food's brown, the people are brown, the ground's brown, everything's brown, it's all brown, okay? So I remember we're driving onto this dirt lot, right? This, I'm telling you, I'm a crazy mix. So I go in, me and Pastor Benny, I'm telling you, so... So I remember I'm, I'm drive, I drive on in this dirt lot, okay, and there's a trailer on there. It's bright, sunny outside. I walk into this trailer with my friend. As soon as the door shuts behind me, fam, I'm telling you, it's like all the sunlight <laughs> vanished. It's completely pitch dark, and there's one light on flickering at the end of a hallway like this. I don't even know what this is this morning, but this is this flickering, church, okay? And then all of a sudden, this figure of a guy appears under the light. And it yells at me, what do y'all want? So I told my friend, I said, hey, hey, that is talking to you. And she said, uh, she said I'm the one to drive the car, parking no parking. You parking no parking zone? Why are you parking no parking zone? Jimmy, run, 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 run that car, right? stop parking no parking zone. We're going to get you, I'm not giving you a parking zone, stop parking no parking zone. Okay. Now, I don't know what kind of Christians you hang out with, especially coming up, you know, young. But I, I roll with the crazies. I, I didn't know this then. All right, because I roll with people who are always trying to pick a fight with the devil. You've ever met this type of Christian? Like they were trying to find demons in trees, car batteries, popsicles. It did not matter. We was fighting the devil today, not today, right? So I, I remember she turns to me. She goes, Chris. I'm like, sup? She goes, Chris, sup? We have been sent of the Lord here. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, you have been sent. Yourself has been sent. I knew where to park. She said, stop playing. I said, you stop playing. She said, stop playing. I said, you stop playing. She said, stop playing. Come on, let's pray. So I did what any Christian does in this situation. I pretended to pray. Y'all ever done that? You ever pretended to pray? You ever pretended to work? Don't you look at me judging me like that. Half of us were doing that this morning, still waking up, right? Let's be honest. So I, what's funny is when you do it, you like oversell it, right? You're just sitting there like, you're like whimsical the whole time, right? So I'm sitting there, I'm, oh, I'm pretending, and then God speaks to me. And he says, son, I want you to wash that man's feet. I'm sorry, what? Now, if you know me, I'm a germaphobe. Come on, I know I'm not alone. Anyone else? I'm a germaphobe. This whole pandemic thing, been living that life, okay? Was there before everybody, all right? Like, I'm a germaphobe. I don't eat after nobody. I don't drink after nobody. I kiss my wife in tongues, but I will not drink after her at all. I don't drink after my kids. If you touch my plate, that became your plate. Be blessed. That's your, now your plate. All right? Like, I don't drink after no. So when God's like, wash his feet, I'm like, nah, no way, no. And the holy pressure of his voice says, son, wash his feet. I'm like, you wash his feet. It says, son, with the holy pressure again, son, wash his feet. I'm like, you created it. You wash his feet. And, and I, he said, son, wash his feet. I'm like, come here. First off, we don't even know what that is. All right? Secondly, I ain't touching his feet. You wash his feet. And then again, son, wash his feet. So finally, I give in. I'm like, fine. 
So I sneak back in. I grab this crusty, nasty coffee mug I'm sure Moses himself drank out of. And they only have cold water. I'm thinking, as soon as I pour cold water on this man's hoof, he's going to punch me in the throat. So I take the cold water. The guy comes in. Pants are half falling off. This is a true story. My life is weird. All right, true story. And he comes in. He's like, can't believe parking on parking zone. Who's going to parking on parking zone? Stop parking on parking zone. And then sits down. And I said, sir, listen. I'm sorry, but we're Christians. And God speaks to us. And he told me that he wants me to wash your feet. And he went like this. You want to wash my feet? I said, yes. And, he, and then he said, okay. I'm like, what the heck? That was way too fast. This man's a freak. He ain't doing that. So then all of a sudden he, he sits down and I remember, oh my gosh. I remember taking off his shoe, y'all. I know what death smells like. It smells like what was ever in his shoe. Because then when I peeled his sock off, I didn't take his sock off. I peeled his sock off like it was a banana, like a moist brownie. And I came down, and then I came on the cracks of his heel. He had crevices in his heel. You could shove dead elephant bodies all up in these heels. And then I came over the top of his foot, and he had a, it looked like a bunch of spiders having a meeting with all the hair. If I, It had done like this right here. And then I remember he had a big toenail, a big that was yellow. How does that happen? Yellow, I'm talking about yellow, highlighter, glow in the dark, radioactive, yellow. I'm look, I mean, the toe was, nail was so long, it looked like his toe had a tooth. You could have named it Chomper. I'm stupid. Anyway, so I remember I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at his foot, and I'm like, Lord, this is proof that you hate me. That's what this is. And I, I remember sitting there, and remember I take the water, and start pouring on the man's hoof, start combing his hair. <laughs> I'm stupid. Anyways, so I'm watching the water. This is a true story. I'm watching the water come off his hoof like black gray. Black gray. It's like washing Frodo Baggins' feet. Black gray. All right? So I, I'll never forget. I'm sitting there, and I begin to pray. This is how I started my prayer. Oh, I'm so embarrassed by that. I started my prayer like this. I said, Lord, these feet have seen some rough years. That's how I started this faith-filled journey of a prayer. So, Lord, these feet have seen some rough years, but then all of a sudden, something shifted on the inside of me. I said, Lord, I believe these are years the enemy has stolen from him. In fact, I see he's married, but he's separated from his wife, and he has two sons, and I named their names. And I said, I also believe this is a generational curse of divorce, but I break it right now by the power of Jesus, and I call him a good husband, a good father, and I ask for reconciliation, and I believe you're touching him right now. It's not an accident that you're speaking this to him. And this big, hairy, sweaty dude starts to cry. Like ugly cry, like kissed a lemon. Okay, and this dude's big, everything's jiggling. Just like this. I mean, he's hemorrhaging in a chair. He's just like this. I look at my friend and she's like this. We catch eyes and I'm like, sissy. Like I'm this great man of God, right? I remember that day we led that man to Jesus. Come on, can we give God glory? Now, I said all that to get to this moment. I remember I'm driving home, and I'm mad. I'm like, Lord, we got to talk. We're going to talk. We got to talk. We got to talk. No, 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 we're going to talk. We're going to talk. I said, Lord, you just can't show up in my life unannounced like that. You can't just show up and be like, wash everybody's patas up in this city, and then all of a sudden, we're going to have revival. You can't be doing that. I'm like, you need to give me a heads up. You need to let me know stuff's coming. You need to let me know, hey, you're going to wash uh, hoofs all day of your life. I, I need to know this. I prayed today. I should have heard something like that. I'm like, I need to know. 
And I said, Lord, how am I supposed to live the same? I said, I feel like you're ruining me. I'm shouting at him. You're ruining me. And he yelled back. He said, exactly. I don't want you to be normal. I am ruining you for normal. You are not going to have a normal life. This is not a normal faith. Ocean Church is not a normal church. These are not normal people. Where are the ruined people at this morning who know what it's like to taste of the sweetness of his love? Transform your entire life, and it's contagious everywhere you go. This is what the ruined do. The ruined refuse to be normal. They don't know what normal is because they're on such an adventure and a journey with God that every destination looks different. It's not, it may be shaded with doubt and insecurity, but on the inside, there's a ruined nature about you where when you look at doubt, you're like, opportunity. When you look at challenges, oh, another journey. So giants don't intimidate you. Mountains don't stop you. Excuses are beneath you because you've been ruined. Come on, is anyone ruined this morning? I want to give you three things the ruins say with their life, all right? Three things real quick the ruins say with their life. Number one, number one, don't go back to normal. Don't go back to normal. Why would you want to go back to who you were before you got saved, before you gave your life to Jesus, before you gave your whole life, your whole future, your whole pain, your whole past? Why would you want to go back to? You've been ruined. You are not the same. Don't go back. Listen, when you're ruined, you look at everything different. You watch the news different. You read the finances different. You see the climates different. You see God doing stuff on the earth where everybody else is like, where's God? You're like, oh, this dude is, oh, he planted. The devil's playing checkers and God's playing chess right now because I've been ruined, right? Like you have this mindset towards everything in life. I've been shaded ruined. I see things through the eyes of faith. I see things with hope. I see things with love. I don't see things with judgment. I see things with justice. I don't see things with hate. I see them as holy. I don't see things as lust. I see them as pure. Anybody else? Don't go back to normal. I'm not going to pray normal. I'm not going to worship normal. I'm not going to live normal. I'm not even going to raise normal kids. And they're here. Like, I, I'll never forget. I remember uh, my daughter, Jasmine, and I'm purposely telling you stories about kids because I feel like that would provoke us as adults, young adults, students. I remember my daughter, Jasmine, she might have been about five or six, and we were preaching at a conference, this massive gathering in Wisconsin. And the altars were packed. I mean, God was moving. People were getting free. People were getting healed. It was powerful. I remember Elisha, he's over here praying for someone. I'm laying hands on someone over here. My wife has a baby and is prophesying with a mic. I mean, this is who we are. And, 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 and Jasmine's walking around. She's five or six, and she goes, hmm. Hmm. Now, if you know Jasmine, like Jasmine's 11 going on 40. Okay, because like, she's more mature than two of me. Right, I'm, I'm not lying, right? So she, hmm, hmm, and she sees this girl. She goes, come here, come here, come here. So this girl, like, walks forward, and she says, hmm. She says, um, God says that you're to have a smiley life and no more tears. Smiley life and no more tears. When she says it the second time, the power of God hits this girl. Boom, she goes on the floor, and Jasmine's like, hmm. And she just keeps walking. <laughs> I remember the first time she saw it happen. We were in Sri Lanka. I was praying for her husband. Elisha and her were praying for the wife. And I remember all of a sudden I hear this boom, this thud on the floor. I looked down. The wife went down. And Jasmine's like, Dad, somebody did that. That wasn't me. I don't want to get in trouble. That was somebody else did that. I had to explain it to her. So it happens again. And she's like, hmm, again. So she keeps walking. Well, a few weeks later, we get an email uh, into our ministry. 
And it's from this girl and her parents. They said, listen, you don't know us, but on this night, she named the night, your daughter prayed for me. She told me that I'm going to have a smiley life and no more tears. What your five-year-old daughter doesn't know is that I have been diagnosed with clinical depression since the age of nine. She has some very heavy tragedy stuff happen in her life, borderline PTSD. She said, I've been diagnosed with clinical depression since the age of nine. I have to take heavy medication. So when she said, smiley life, no more tears, I went, I don't know what happened, but I remember waking up on the floor. I got up, I ran back to my room. Please tell your parents before you do this, okay? Uh, she, I'm just saying this, we've got young, young crowd. So uh, she runs back, takes her pills, and dumps them down the toilet without telling anybody. Tell your parents, okay? Tells them. Now, nobody knows what's happened. She's been off her meds for a few weeks. Her mom finds the empty pill bottles and thinks she's been selling the pills. And she's like, what are you doing? What are you, what's been going on? She's like, no, I don't need them. I haven't been taking them. What would you do? I dumped them down the toilet. No, we're going to the doctor. Takes her to the doctor. The doctor sits down and says, now, we've had this talk. In order, this is what he said, word for word. In order for you to have a normal life, he said, you have to take this. And she says, that's the problem because I'm not normal anymore. And I don't have to take this anymore. I gave my life to Jesus and he took all this away. And I don't have to take this pill and that pill to cover this pill to cover that pill because Jesus doesn't have any side effects. Jesus isn't one way. He is the way. I have one source, one covenant, one promise, one God. Anybody else know what it's like to find out I don't have to go here for that and there for this. I've got a one serve all God. How many know his supply is never dry? His arm is never short. Even on his worst day, he would never have a W. He would never have an L. He would only check the W column. How many know what I'm talking about when God says, I'll touch you so well. I'll meet you where you're at. I don't care what you look like. I don't care how broken you are. I will not leave you the same. You're going to be ruined. Peter is looking at this guy and the Bible says he fixes his eyes on him. Why would he do that? Because this is not a stranger to Peter. This man is a familiar face. The Bible says he was laid there daily. Well, how long was daily? You'll find in Acts chapter 4, verse 22, that he was there for 40 years. Pete, this is not the first time Peter has seen this beggar. So what made this time different than 40 years worth of seeing this guy daily? I'll tell you what happened, is that he got ruined. Because in John chapter 18, he says, Jesus, I'll die for you. And then he denies him not once, not twice, but thrice. You remember this, right? And then he runs back to fishing, what does he do? He goes back. John 21, he says, I'm going fishing. That's not a, I'm hungry, I'm going fishing. I'm bored, I'm going fishing. He's going back to what he used to be, a fisherman. Here's what happens when we meet challenge and opposition. We go back to what worked. We go back to what made sense. We go back to comfort. Let it not be said of Ocean's Church, come on fam, that we kept going back and instead of progressing forward into the newness of God and the deeper levels of God, that we just got stuck in a season. And then God comes and restores them and then the Spirit of God's poured out and here he is. So why would this time be different than all the others? Because he'd been ruined. Don't go back to normal. Here's the second thing if you're going to be ruined. Number two, number two, dangerous places are safe places in the kingdom. Dangerous places are safe places in the kingdom. I know I'm not alone. Is anyone else tired of, tell, of, of letting culture dictate where I can pray for somebody and where I cannot? 
Is anyone else tired of living with the mindsets of limitations that I can have church right here at church and then I can take it all the way to the strands and I can take it all the way to Calafia and everywhere else in between and I can start to demonstrate signs and wonders. We can see miracles happen. We can see breakthrough happen. I'm going to cast out devils here and I'll preach on his goodness there. I'm telling you, this is what happens. Everything comes in assignment. Dangerous places are safe places in the kingdom. I think... Many times we have been so discipled to only expect him here. He only moves here. Don't listen. I love all this. Don't get me wrong. I love the worship. I love when Pastor Mark preaches. I love all the, you know, all the lights. There's so many lights on me. I feel like a piece of chicken at Popeye's because there's so many lights. Tell me I'm sweating. I, like, I, I, I love all the smoke, you know, with the fake Shekinah. I love it all. Okay, I love it all. But if you're not careful, you'll get used to all of this and think this is only where he moves. When he can move at your gym, and he can move on the golf course, and he can move on the beach, and he can move in a restaurant. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm ruined. I remember I watched our son, Elisha. I remember one time we were at a restaurant. I'll never forget this. Elisha was probably like six or seven. I'm purposely telling you kids' stories. Not because just I'm a proud dad, but because I feel like it provokes me. If they are doing this, how much higher should I set the bar? How much more should I cause them and provoke them to live at this level? And I, I remember my son, we're sitting there, we're sitting at a restaurant, and he's coloring, he's sitting there coloring. And, um, and we've always taught our kids to pay attention to the voice of God. We stop him all the time, we stop him and go, hey, 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 what's God saying to you? Um, God's saying this. And they will tell, I'm telling you, times they've told me my message, they've told me the scriptures, they told me my three points. Uh, I'm telling you, there's times they come in, they said I had a dream, and they tell us the dream, and Eric and I are like crying because that's what we were praying through the past week. I'm telling you. So we're sitting there. And we're, he's coloring. I'm looking at what I'm going to order, trying to protect these hips. And I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, Elisha goes, <gasps> and I, I said, what's up? And he, and he tells his mom. He's like, mom, God's speaking to me. She's like, well, what about? He's like, it's for the waiter. And the way, well, what's, he, what's, he, what's God saying? And he says, wow. You know Elisha. He doesn't have a volume. <laughs> all right. Uh, Elisha, he goes, wow. God says that he has a great voice and he's not going to die. I'm like, wow, okay. Um, I said, Erica, how are we going to do this one? So we arrived at the fact that we were responsible parents. We're good parents. So we decided we're going to make our kid do it. So, so the waiter gets our drink order, goes and gets our drinks, comes back, takes our food order, and he's like, okay, I'll have that out. And, and I remember he, uh, I said, sure, wait, wait. He says, yes. I said, listen. We're Christians. God speaks to us. And my son has something that he wants to tell you. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, the guy goes, that's cute. So he comes over and he looks at Elisha, just like, okay, what did he say? You don't know, Elisha's packing some heat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's sitting there. What did he say? And Elisha goes, he's coloring. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. God says that you have a great voice. And then he yells this. You have a great voice and you're not going to die. He yells that over the whole restaurant. People instantly look at us, and I'm like, shut your mouth. What are you doing? You know, like, whose kid is this? Little boy, go sit at your table. <laughs> like, but this waiter went <gasps> and ran off crying. I told Erica, we got to go. We got to go. We got we to leave. We got to leave. She's like, no. I'm like, they're going to spit and poison our food, and I don't run like that. We got to leave. We got to leave now. She's like, no. I'm like, Baby, if we die, it's your fault then. I'm just putting it on you. Are right, you going to explain to Jesus, Jesus, what happened here today? All right? And she said, uh, she said, uh, she said, no problem. 
So the, so the waiter comes back, and he's messed up. He's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. He doesn't even talk to Erica. He goes right back to her, like, okay, okay. Tell me what he said one more time. This guy's messed up. And Elisha's annoyed that he has to repeat himself. So he's like, breaks his crown. God said that you have a great voice, and he's not going to die. And he yells it again. And, and this guy's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's good. Okay, listen. I said, sir, can, maybe I can explain some of this. He's like, somebody better do something because this kid is freaking me out. And I said, okay. I said, listen, tell me what. He says, listen, I moved out here because I was supposed, I had a, a career in music. I have a singing career. I had just got signed to a label, but then my father died in a car accident. Two weeks later, my significant other died in a car accident. Two weeks after that, my brother died in a car accident. So I was convinced I was next. That's the spirit of death, right? So he's coming after and He's like, I just lived in such fear that I lost my ability to sing. It suffocated me. And now I have to work this job just to pay my bills. And I look at Elisha, I'm like, I'm like, not bad. Not bad. A little pad one, you know. And I, I remember we prayed for this guy. Why would that happen? Because people understand dangerous places are safe places in the kingdom. Heaven is coming. Heaven is not just coming to the church. Heaven is coming to every restaurant, every business, every home, every soccer field. I'm talking about every living room. Whether you're watching, no matter what state, no matter what nation, God is here. This is what we need. Us Dangerous places are safe places in the kingdom. Peter had no business praying for somebody in front of the temple. But why would he do this? Because he understood dangerous places are safe places in the kingdom. I feel like part of my assignment today is to give you a warrior's way of thinking. I feel one of the biggest lies on this generation is not sin here, be tempted to that. I feel one of the biggest lies on us is just be normal. Just go with the flow. Don't believe for too much. Don't set yourself up. Just, just be normal. Can I tell you, can I tell you something? If God wants us to be normal, he gave us the wrong book. And he should never have given us the Holy Spirit. He should never have created this church, I'm telling you right now. And he should never put you here in this moment. God is ruining you right now. Dangerous places are safe places in the kingdom. Here's the third thing. Let me close it out here. Here's the third thing. Number three, number three. Remember number one. Don't go back to normal. Number two, dangerous places are safe places in the kingdom. Number three, he is the God of right now. We have to live with this supernatural instinct and awareness. No matter where I'm at, no matter who I'm with, no matter what the issues are, he is always the God of right now. I'll never forget, I had the the privilege of sitting down with a famous evangelist. His name was Reinhard Bonnke. Some of you may know him. Reinhardt was a friend, and and he said to me, he said, Chris, he said, whoever you preach Jesus to be, that's who he'll be. And I didn't quite get it, and he could tell that I was captivated by the spirit of stupid. I just missed it. And he said, Chris, if you preach him to be a healer, he'll show up and heal people. If you preach him to be a savior, he'll show up and free people. If you preach him, are you following me? He said, whoever you preach him to be, that's who he'll be. I love Hebrews 13, 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
track with me for a second because I think a lot of people are caught up in the yesterday. Or let me say it, let me put it in our world, the good old days. I've met too many people who get stuck in what God did in the 80s, what God did in the 90s. Look, I honor past moves of God, fathers and mothers of revival in the church, generals in the faith. I honor that. But I don't want what they were capturing in the 90s. I want the current, fresh outpouring of God on my life right now. But then he says, it's not just about Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think sometimes we live in the forever. We live in the someday. Someday, I'll pray like your kids. Someday, I'll watch miracles happen like you. Someday, I'll change nations. No, there was a time period you skipped. Yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, anybody else? You understand what I'm talking about? There is... That word today is translated literally into English because Hebrew writers did not have this word called now. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, right now, and forever that he'll ever be. He is the only constant thing on this planet and in your life. Jesus, if you need him to be a healer, he can heal you right now. If you need him to free you from addiction, he can free you right now. If you need him to deliver you from your own thoughts, he can deliver you right now. He can break suicide. He can break pain. He can bring healing. He can restore. He can even give you back the years the locusts have eaten, the years Satan has stole from you. The Bible is very clear. He's not going to add years to your life. In the time you have left, he's going to make sure where you are robbed of this blessing and this breakthrough, he's going to cause it to happen even in the time you have left. I don't know how we lose in this thing called a Christian life. Listen, he heals all my diseases. He fights all my battles. He takes care of all my enemies. And then he calls me mighty warrior. I'm going to take that all day. I'm going to take that all day. When you live like this, you're ruined. You're unconventional. Like we're talking about in this series, you are, you, you, there's no, you're unexplainable. You are unforgettable. I believe that Ocean's Church is just getting started. I'm not talking about in, 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 in the natural sense. I'm talking in the spiritual sense. We just started taking ground. We just started growing. We just started producing. Heaven has a lot more in store for your marriage. He has a lot more vision for your kids. He's got a lot more breakthrough on the way. Come on, anybody else know what I'm talking about when it comes to being ruined? That you refuse to say the same. That you're not going to pray the same. That you're not going to live the same. Where are the ruined ones at this morning? I want to tell you that if you've never given your life to Jesus, this is the perfect timing. It's not an accident you got out of bed after you were a pyromaniac last night. We all did it. Let's be honest. It's not an accident you're here. It's not an accident you're watching online. God has shifted and moved, scheduled, added, created this moment. Not for me. For you with every head bowed and every eye closed just want to take a moment and then i'll have you stand in a second if you have never given your life to the lordship of jesus christ and you want to surrender to a god who will love you who will heal you who will set you free and then he will begin to develop you and weaponize you so you become a problem for the devil every day of your life if that's you say pastor chris what you're saying i, I want that that's what I want. If that's what you're saying, that's what I want. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're not, we're not here to humiliate you. We don't believe in embarrassing people. But let there be a declaration by lifting your hand and say, Pastor Chris, you're just talking to me. 
I want to give my life to Jesus. This is that day. I'm drawing a line in the spiritual sand, and I refuse to be the same. I want to be ruined today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Who am I talking to? You need to give your life to Jesus today. Anyone else? Anyone? 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 Jesus. Jesus. Would you stand with me, church? I want to ask my wife to come up for a second. I I really feel this is a marking moment, if you will, not because we have a guest speaker and our pastor's away. I really feel like there's such significant alignment, supernatural positioning happening right now. I truly believe that one of the things that we are coming into is this fearlessness. One of the things that Ocean's Church will be marked by is not about what happens in here. It's the reputation of us out there. And I believe God's releasing arrows out of this place. In fact, I like to, I, I walk in here every time and my mindset is like, I don't, I don't think of this as a church. I think of this as an armory. And God is just polishing and sharpening weapons up in this church and then shooting arrows out like crazy all over. They start penetrating with love, penetrating with goodness, penetrating with power. And I believe that God's marking us right now. It's like Isaiah 49.2. He says he's hitting me like a choice arrow in his quiver. You're a choice arrow. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.